Let's lift praise up to him. Is there anything too hard for our God? Oh, mama, ma sede de osho toro do cosienda la baba baosha kataya siete. Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, our God is a powerful God. He is a mighty God. Is there anything to, is his hand short for anything? Can he not do anything within his character? Is he not a healer? Is he not a resurrector? You can ask John, you can ask Lazarus about that. He can tell you dead things come back to life when he says the word. And so he's given the word to somebody in this house. You have authority in your mouth. If you would just speak the word, life would come back into situations. Let's lift up our voice one more time up to heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we worship you, God. You are holy, you are righteous, you are sovereign, God. You are good, you are holy, you are powerful. There is none like you. You're the one who sits on the throne of authority. Jesus, you are awesome in every way, Lord Jesus. You are holy, Lord Jesus. You are great, God. Jesus, you are mighty, God. You are mighty, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I want to talk about something before we, while y'all are standing. I want to, does anyone feel like they're just, you don't got to raise your hand. Someone feeling like they're just a broken vessel? Unusable. Worthless. Been through too much damage. Or maybe you feel like you're whole, but you're not full because you're filthy. I'm reminded of a scripture. Jeremiah was told to go see the potter. He went and went and saw a potter, and he looked upon the man working. And that piece of clay, he was molding and shaping, and it was a failure. That pot was going to be anything worthwhile. Nothing. It wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to carry anything. It wasn't going to look good. No one was going to compliment the potter about it. And just whenever it started looking its worse, he smashes it. And he clumps it back up into a ball. And he starts over. Someone needs to get the fervency inside of them that though they fall, they can stand back up and put themselves back on the wheel and let the potter start shaping them again and again and again. Because God's not going to give up on you if you don't give up on yourself. Did you hear me? God is not going to give up on you if you don't give up on yourself. Are you still moldable? Are you still pliable? Do you still have a yes in your spirit? Oh, it's tough. It really stinks right now. But do you have something just says, God, I'm pretty worthless. But you can still do something with me. I don't look like much. I've made a lot of mistakes. But if you just put your hand upon me, if you just press in 
Is there anybody moldable out there? Feels like a vessel that just needs some reshaping. Your life was going good at one point, and then something happened. You become broken. Those are the best-looking kind, broken vessels. You know, people pay a lot of money for broken vessels that were broken at one point, and they put it back together. But instead of putting it back together with earth and clay, they put gold in the seams and silver and jewels. You think your brokenness disqualifies you, but God looks at you and says your your brokenness says you're qualified. You make what I make look good. You may be earth and you may be broken, but I can use that brokenness for good. Somebody, let's just lift up your hands and just receive that. Jesus, I'm broken, but God, you can use me, Lord Jesus. Use me, Lord Father. I pray you would reshape me, remold me, Lord Jesus. Come on, church, don't make me be the only one praying about this. I'm not the only one that's ever been broken out there. Release your words out in the atmosphere right now. Let God know what you really feel about it. You know, Jesus' first miracle was done with pots. You know what? Those pots were empty, and you know why? They were, made, they were, they were for hand-washing. They were what the disgusting stuff went into, and that was God's first miracle. We need to expect God to do something in our lives that is unseemly to other people. Just expect the unexpected in your life. Can someone just have enough audacity to say that I'm not much and I'm, and I'm dirty and people's put their hands in me and washed them? But God, God, you're going to take this and make it a miracle. Hallelujah. Oh, for, forgive me. Just take your neighbor by the hand. I, let, let's just stay here for a sec. I, just take your neighbor by the hand. I want you to pray for him. Lift him up right now. Someone, if they're not, someone's not being prayed for, go pray for him. Go find somebody. Let's bind together as a, as a body right now. Let the minister body, let the, the body minister to itself right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. Fix the cracks, God. Fix the damaged body parts right now in the name of Jesus. Fix the past, I pray, Lord, in the name of Koramah. That's it. Take authority over their past right now in the name of Jesus. Take authority over their past in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You won't be that anymore. You look different now. Let the Holy Ghost move upon you and touch you in the name of Jesus.
First Peter 2, 9 through 11. I will try to speed my message up since I've already taken eight minutes and 43 seconds. First Peter 2, 9 through 11. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers, everyone say strangers, and pilgrims, everyone say pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works, which they should behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I'm so thankful for our leadership. I'm going to ask our pastor. I think he's a, we have an awesome pastor, folks. You, amen. Come up here. Let's, if you wouldn't mind, pray a blessing over this place, over me, over everyone out there. They need it. They need a lot more than I do. <laughs> yes, sir. Father, we pray right now, I loose the authority, the anointing, and the power of the Holy Ghost to rest upon every individual, every person that's here tonight. I loose the hand of God, and I loose the revelation of your word. Flow through Brother Jeremy tonight. Let him be a vessel to go forth. I loose light, and I loose life, and I loose the power of the Holy Ghost. Let your will be done. I bind everything that's not of God, and I loose the prophetic promises that are written for in the word for your people. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Go ahead and clap your hands and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Don't forget it. Don't forget the voice. That's where the power is at. It's not just the hand. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Simple message. The title is going to be Pilgrim. You can guys have a seat. We're going to turn to uh, the Greek and I'm not going to tell you what these Greek words are because I don't know how to say it. I can barely pronounce my own name, much less am I going to be able to pronounce Greek. So, strangers is, you can write this down if you're taking notes. I know all of you guys are. Uh, 3941 is the number. If you can pronounce that word, let me know at the end of the service. I'll get you a tic-tac. Someone... A stranger is this. It's someone living close to others as a ter temporary dweller. In specific, a specific locale as a non-citizen with limited rights. Whenever you read the New Testament and you see the word stranger or strangers, that's what it's talking about. Let me focus our attention a little bit towards pilgrim. Very similar to stranger, this is the definition of pilgrims. A sojourner or foreigner, literally someone passing through. I hope most of y'all know where this message is going already. 
someone passing through, but still with personal relationship with the people in that locale. This temporary but active relationship is made by necessary, excuse me, this temporary but active relationship is made necessary by circumstances. Here's the circumstance. You were born on planet Earth. You weren't born anywhere else. You're on Earth. That was the circumstance. You got put in this position simply by being born. But we're called, does anybody know that we're called to not be of the world, just in the world? This is not our home. We are just passing through. This world is not where we're going to dwell forever. Even if you pass away and you die, and you argue, Brother Jeremy, I'm going to go in the grave. I'm then going to say, but there's going to be a day when that incorruptible body gets turned into corruptible by a sound of a trumpet. You're not staying here. No matter how long someone's resting in the grave, as Jesus said about Lazarus, he's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. He's waiting for the call. So even though you play here, you work here, you drive your car here, just because you live in the house that you live in and you go to the job that you go to the job at, no matter what you do here, this isn't where you are. This is not you. This is not where you're supposed to be. You are not a citizen of the world. You are a citizen of heaven. We are just passing through. Temporarily living next to others, as in the pilgrim, the definition of pilgrim, we're temporarily living next to others, and we're just hoping to show them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We aware of, like, what we have inside of us? I know we are. But do we go day by day really realizing that even though we're going to work, that we're supposed to be ministering? Even though we're at the grocery store, we should be ministering. I'm preaching to you guys as well as myself right now. But we are not, this is not our home. We're just passing through. And we have to have our hope in Jesus and share that hope with those that are around us. Philippians 18, excuse me, Philippians 3, 18 through 21. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of, the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, for which we are eagerly, we are also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Is anybody waiting to be inc- turned into incorruptible? This flesh has gone away. In a moment's notice, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trump will shout, sound, and the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall rise first. 
And then imagine this. You're sitting there. You see a bunch of dead people coming out of the ground and going up to heaven. Before you can start freaking out, you start feeling like everything's getting really light. You hear a sound, and those feet start getting really light. They start lifting up off the ground. What a day that will be whenever you start feeling when you had a pain in your neck as it lifts up in the air that the pain disappears. Whenever you have a heartache and those tears that you're crying that very moment, as soon as you hear the trump, those tears dry up all by the sound of a trumpet. So there is going to be coming a day. There's coming a day whenever there's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more heartache. There's no going to be no more disappointment. There's going to be no more dis- depression. There's no go- not going to be any more offenses, Brother Tanner. There's not going to be any unforgiveness. There's not going to be any scars from your past. There's not going to be anything like that because in one moment and one twinkling of the eye, we're going to be in the sky with our Savior who died on a cross for us, who we're catching us up in the sky. It could be daytime and nighttime. It doesn't really matter. I I don't care what time it is as long as I make it. I'm looking for so much more, so much more than this world. The issue is, is if we don't get excited about that, and the Lord dealt with me on this, so I'm telling you not just from, I'm telling you, this is something that the Lord had to deal with me about, is you're getting too comfortable here. It's too cozy here. Church is too good. You have too much stuff on your back, too much food on your table. Living the American dream. I was at camp the uh, months back, whenever it was, and the well, I think it was a missionary came from Brazil or something they were giving a testimony about, and that missionary came over for the first time to America, and he says, how in the world do you get people saved here? He was overwhelmed every time he went to a store. This true story, missionary comes over, a, a fellow minister comes over to America from Brazil or wherever it was, it was some other, I may have Brazil because you guys went there recently, but it's somewhere, not here. And they, he said, how do you get them saved? They already have heaven right here. Because he's coming from a place where there's lack, where he knows what it's like to go a couple days without food. He can't get in his nice car and drive to church. He has to walk there to minister. And here we are as Americans, spoiled fat in the spirit, lethargic and lazy. Why some miracles don't happen in our atmosphere is because we just don't have that hunger. We're good with a cozy, comfortable church that God moved, feel the chill bumps. I think someone got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then let's go to Mazios. What if there was no Mazios? What if there was anywhere to go afterwards? What if really the height of our Sunday was just lingering right here in the presence of the Lord? What if our hunger was more than just pizza and Mexican food? But we had this in the back of our mind that when we leave here, maybe the trumpet will sound as soon as we open up our car door. Maybe we'll look up to the sky and the clouds will be splitting. Maybe 
Our feet will get real light all of a sudden. In a twinkling of an eye, we're flying. What if we went through life with that same thought every day that this could be the day? This could be the day. How would that change? How would that change my evangelism? How would that change how I talk to my lost children? How would that change my conversation with my friends outside of church? How would that change what my priorities are and where my time goes and where my money goes? How would that change me if I recognize this world is not my own, but I'm a citizen of heaven and that I'm just passing through this place? How would that change me? I want to know. I want to know. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in a place of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he was look, looked for a city which had for he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Later on in the New Testament, it says that he died without finding that land. He never saw it. But I want to live my life. And I implore everyone to live their life like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One lived like 180, 175, and 140-something. They, they lived pretty old. And their whole life, they called themselves sojourners. They would walk. They would get all their stuff. They'd gather it up, and they would walk. And I can imagine Isaac walking. And Jacob looking up to his dad and his grandpa and going, hey, that looks a nice spot. Why don't we call that where, that, let's call that ours, right over there. And they're like, nope, that's not it. We'll get, we'll get tired eventually, Jacob, don't you worry. But this isn't where we belong. Okay, let's keep walking. Day after day after day, they walk and they walk and they walk. And Jacob is just wondering, like, well, that place is, that has water. That place actually has grass in this desert. I mean, this is the perfect place, Dad. And Isaac's, nope, 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 Jacob. This is not where we belong. We have to keep looking for what God promised us. And so they get tired and weary. They set up tents. They lived in tabernacles. They didn't build a house. They lived in a tent. Because they knew at any moment's notice that the Lord would tell them, this isn't the place, keep moving. So they would gather up their tent. They lived light, and they kept walking. They would move on, and then they would settle back down, and they built a house. They bought the cars. They saved up in their bank account. They invested everything they had in things that were going to be here. Nope. They put up another tent. They knew this is temporary. Then they would gather it up, and Jacob just, for a, several years, he's just confused of why we move so much. Why do we travel so much? But every single day, he had grandpa telling him, and he had daddy telling him, this is just temporary. God promised us a land. 
God promises a place to go. God is making something, and we haven't found it yet, Jacob. When we get there, we'll know, and we'll set up shop. Let me remind you of a time whenever Jesus proposed to his bride, and he says, I go away to prepare a place for you. If I said it, then it's true. Familiar scripture? He was proposing to the church. He was proposing to the church when he said that. And so we have a place that's, we have mansions over there in glory. I don't know about you, but I'm not excited about the streets of gold. It's transparent. I don't even know what that means, Tanner. And I don't care. Gates of pearl, solid, all the way up. And we're going to have our own mansions, 1,500 by 1,500, all this, this huge area, or at least it seems huge. But I'm more excited about this, that Jesus went away to prepare a place for me, and he's going to be the light to illuminate. And for all of eternity, I don't know what my job is going to be. I don't know what task he's going to give me, what duties, what things he's going to ask me to serve in, or if I'm just going to be a worshiper. But for all eternity, what I feel here in this house and what I feel in my own prayer closet and whenever I feel and every time I get in his presence is going to be minuscule. It's just going to be tiny compared to the feeling and the emotions and that joy that I get whenever I can see my Savior face to face. I'm just curious what it's going to be like, though, whenever the trump sounds. Is all this really going to be important? Is it? Is what we're doing in our life going to be important? Are we living like pilgrims? Are we Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You know, they're our spiritual fathers. Amen? Yeah, spiritual fathers. Galatians 3, 27 through 29. For as many of you... For as many of you as have been baptized unto Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and the heirs according to his promise. So what he didn't get to see here on earth, what he's still waiting for, we're going to see it. If you've been baptized unto Christ, and your Holy Ghost, by the way, anybody know how we're getting out of here? Anybody? Throw it out. Anybody know how we're getting out of here? Out of earth? Holy Ghost? Is that what I heard over here? Yeah, that's exactly right. See, Jesus is going to come back and rapture his spirit out of the, out of the earth. And if you're not filled with his spirit, Guess who's not getting raptured out of earth? Because he's not coming back to get a people. He's not coming back to get the good ones. He's not coming back to get the repented ones. He's coming back to get those that are spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. He's coming to get his spirit. So the question begs is, how do we get the spirit? Oh, I'm going about to go Sunday school on you guys. Well, it, Acts 2.38. Well, actually, let me rewind a little bit. Death, burial, resurrection. 
Is that the gospel? Is anyone, does everyone agree that death, burial, resurrection is the gospel of Jesus Christ? That is the good news, that he died, he was buried, and he, resurrect, he resurrected the third day. True? Amen? Does anyone disagree with that? Because we can get somebody to give you a Bible study right now. Death, burial, resurrection. I don't think there's one denomination, there's not one people, there's not any kind of Christianity that would not say that the death, burial, resurrection is the good news. Thank Jesus, thank the Lord that he died on a cross and that he got put in a grave and that he resurrected the third day. Without resurrection, by the way, there is no power in Christianity. He's just a, he would be just a dead prophet sitting in a tomb still. There's some of those religions out there, by the way. But our God rose from the grave. So death, burial, and resurrection. So I, it's pretty apparent, especially when we go to Acts 2.38, that there's steps that we actually take that relate to death, burial, and resurrection. See, there has to be a dying out to Jeremy and Matt, Pastor Matt. I was using Matt because it was, you know, I was talking about you being a sinner, and that was a long time ago. You don't sin anymore, right? <laughs> there's a, there's a, has to be a dying out. Me, I have to die. And our way of dying out to our will, our desires, our flesh, there has to be some turning around from what we used to be doing. That's Repentance. God made a way through the death that we could die to ourselves, and we can relate ourselves to the death of Jesus Christ. But then he was buried. And see, he didn't bury himself. Someone else put him down or put him in that grave. Amen? It's hard to walk when you're dead. Can't roll a stone over there when you're dead. Maybe a little difficult to go down into baptism by yourself. I bet God would honor if you said in Jesus' name and dunked yourself down. I bet it would happen. But... Baptism, in Jesus' name, according to Acts 2.38 and all through Acts and everything in the epistles I read, it's done in Jesus' name. That was a good place for somebody to say amen. That's the gospel. Because we're going somewhere, because we're wanting to get raptured out of here. So we've died to our sins. We've died to ourself. We related to him in his death. Baptism was done. And we went down in Jesus' name. Because that's how we get our power. You're baptized unto Christ, into Christ. But there has to be something that we cannot do. Just like Jesus was resurrected by the Spirit. He couldn't come up by himself. He had to have a supernatural experience that brought him out of that grave. And that's when we get received with the Holy Ghost. Is when God says, clean vessel, repented life. I'm going to fill that vessel up. I'm going to fill it up with everything that I am. So whenever I come back and a trumpet blows in the twinkling of an eye, that vessel is going to be raptured out of this place, expecting them to live a, ho them to live a holy life in one that's fervent for the things of God and, and to uh, live like a pilgrim, just light. I'm glad to be baptized in the bloodline of Jesus. Amen? But I think we're all guilty at times. 
it would be human nature. And, you know, there's three things that they say is, uh, you know, a sin, the major sins. One of them is that pride of life. It's a, that's a hard one. Any, any men out there say amen? Yeah, that pride. I'm sure you ladies get prideful too, but, you know. Uh, that pride can be a tough one for you guys, for us guys. And so gathering things can look real appealing rather than living like Isaac and Abraham and Jacob that lived in tabernacles. And I would say this is, no one's exempt from this. It's not just guys that want to have the things, to have the nice jobs, to make more money, and to settle down the bigger house. There's actually something inside of a man that I think God put inside of us to provide, to do that. But just the same as the ladies going shopping and getting the new pair of shoes. I know that's a little funny, but it's, it's, a, it's a truth. How much stuff do we have to have? This is everybody. <laughs> Person standing behind this pulpit, too. I want to be a pilgrim to this earth. I want to be a pilgrim. I want to live life like a pilgrim. I want, you know, if I have something, I want to be able just to say, I don't need it. And if somebody else wants it, they can have it. Just take it. Because if there's ever something I can't let go of, that may be something I need to question myself of. Do I have this too hard? Do I, am I living in a tabernacle if that I'm not willing to let go of this or this or those? Jesus was, look, I feel like I'm really, I'm feeling a lot of you guys out there. Let's just say it that way. Spirits, I'm, I'm feeling, human spirit. Think how Jesus was. His words were hard to the point where he says, if you don't leave your mother, you can't have me. If you don't leave your father, you can't have me. If you don't leave children and sons and daughters. And he wasn't preaching to the choir, or he was not preaching just to those people because he himself, whenever his mother came to the door and says, hey, your mother and brother want to see you, he says, who's my family? Who's my mother? Except those that do the will of the Lord. He was willing to say, nope. He's spiritually minded. He was thinking about the kingdom. But those are tough words to say, you may have to leave your family for this. You may have to get rid of everything that you find so dear in this world for me. Now, that's not me saying it. That was Jesus. Amen? But doesn't mean it might not be where some of us are at. That we prioritize our relationships more than our, our relationship with Jesus. We just bring it home. It's, it's where we'd rather play with the kids rather than pray. It's whenever we'd rather go on a date or we're looking for that next boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, rather than actually going and spending time with the Lord. What relationships are we kind of holding on to? It's not just stuff here. This world is everything. 
And I want to live to the point like a pilgrim where I can say, God, I want to where he can ask me, Jeremy, when you say everything, do you mean everything? Are you living so light in the heart? I'm not talking about stuff only. This is a heart thing. This is a heart thing. This is not where you can go, I know Tanner, he's got, he's got this, that, and the other. He really likes he, he got Jeremy's talking to him. Tanner's heart may be right. And J- Tanner may go, you can have it, God. Take it from me. Strip me of everything I have. Just give me Jesus. Y'all know this song? Some of y'all probably sung it in your head. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I want to live like a pilgrim, just passing through, just passing through. 2 Peter 3 and 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. I have time, Jeremy. My brother and sister, I have time. I can get my heart right whenever I want to. I can get rid of these things whenever I wish to. He hasn't came this, it's been millennia. It's been thousands of years. And he said, lo, I come quickly. But the Bible says right after this, it says a thousand years are like a day to him. He's not even thinking about, he may, he may come tomorrow or he may come his tomorrow. If you're good at math, that's a thousand years. But I can tell you this, we're closer now than we were yesterday. And I want to live my life where it's light and I'm just, I, can, I can go at a moment's notice at a twinkling of an eye like a thief in the night. And he wants to come, I will be free of everything. There will be anything tying me to this world. Take it all. I'll give it all away. You can. I want my heart to be so clean of things and people and relationships that nothing gets in the way of Jesus Christ. That he's my number one priority. And that I have the mentality and the spirit of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob, my spiritual fathers, that I can say, This isn't my home. I'm just a citizen of I'm a citizen of heaven. This is not my home. I'm looking for something more. Yes, I have to live here. Yes, I have to set up a tabernacle. Yes, I have to do something to be in this earth. I have to survive. I have to provide. I have to do these things, but this isn't my home. Looking for the place that's foundations was the maker, builder from God's hands. Because he can come back like a thief in the night. I want to tell you about the Minutemen. I'm going to close here in a second. There goes a second. I lied to you. In a few minutes. I would have Pastor come up here and tell you about the Minutemen and Paul Revere, and he probably knows the story. And some of you guys probably do, too. Um, Matter of fact, (laughs) she's already smiling. (laughs) Jenny knows the story. Side note. Got to have at least one of those when I'm preaching. So we, uh, I won't tell what he, she didn't get right, but we were just having a quiz. We were just playing around, and um, I said something about history, and she goes, I don't care anything about history. I'm like, surely you know this. And I said something, and she asked, and she got it completely wrong. And I was, 
I laughed a lot. And then I said, well, what about, how about this one? She said, give me another one. I said, all right, how about the Minutemen? Who is the Minutemen? And she was like, she finally got it. She had to, it had to kind of knock off the dust off a little of the dendrites, but it, it came about, and uh, she got it, and then Paul Revere was just, just lined up right afterwards. So most of you guys probably know this story. But the Minutemen were people back in um, the Patriots' times. This is whenever the British were going to invade, and uh, they landed in Massachusetts. But there was a planning happening uh, by the, all the Patriots here, uh, us Americas, Americans, and uh, we uh, set up a militia that they trained all the time to drop everything they were doing and to join the army at a minute's notice. They set up things that, uh, such as lanterns that would be set up to, to clue them in. They had people that were going to be messengers that would go in and say the lobster backs were coming or the British were coming or whatever. And they would, they would be ready to go to war at a minute's notice. They were called Minutemen. They were people like you and I. They lived their life going to job. They were blacksmiths. They were attorneys. They were whatever they did. Um, they were farmers. Um, whatever their job was, that's what they did. But wherever they went, they had a gun. Wherever they went, they had their uniform ready. And one night, one faithful night, they, the British landed in, uh, I think it was Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Mass- Words are hard. And uh, is that right? In Boston? Okay, thank you. So they landed there, and Paul Revere was a man, was one of those guys that set up the whole thing, and or helped set, up, set it up, and he went out riding all night. It was the midnight ride, if I remember right. It was the midnight ride. He started riding out. He said, the British are coming. The British are coming. He'd go to this community. The British are coming. The British are coming. <clears throat> and all the men and men would gather up in the middle of the night. This is the middle of the night. And he'd go to the next one, and he rode all night long. I bet he was pretty tired, but talking about a patriot, man, right there it is, riding all night long, just yelling out, the Minutemen are, or the, <coughs> the British are coming, the British are coming. And they were ready to go in the middle of the night. They had their guns, their uniforms, and the next day they had, I don't remember what the number, it was thousands, it was in the thousands of people that came together, militia that stopped the British from progressing past Boston at the time, and they... They're right there. Now, that allowed everyone else to kind of gather up an army and stuff. But those Minutemen are the ones who actually were ready at the moment's notice and stopped the progression of the enemy. And now we're not going to go anything about enemy, but I can tell you this. They had jobs. They were important to their community. They were important to their family. But something inside of them said, I need an urgency and something inside of me. I'm going to need to walk with a gun in my hand and a uniform on my backpack. So whenever I do get the call and that Paul Revere starts trumping out the minute the British are coming, that I'm ready to go. Let's live our life like the Minutemen. Well, we have a sword in our hand and a shield. But whenever, as soon as we have that trump, we also have that robe of righteousness tucked away. So whenever we hear that trumpet sound, we can, I'm done with this world. Put it on. We may be working. We may be at the grocery store. No matter where we are, it can happen tonight. I tell you the time that Judah got the Holy Ghost. I'm pretty sure this is the first time Judah got the Holy Ghost. He got in our house, and it's because he saw a blood moon. And the Lord started dealing with him. The moon was just red. This was probably seven years ago or something like that. We were, we were here, and we 
And he started asking what it meant, and I said, well, I started getting him some scriptures and stuff like that, and, and there was an urgency inside of Judah that was like, is he coming tonight? I mean, you're talking about a kid being scared or whatever. He had a, he was like, is God coming back? He could. What would it be like if we all lived our life, not in fear, but, you know, the scripture says to comfort one another with these words. Comfort. Not scare each other that Jesus is coming back. Is that Jesus is coming back. Get excited. But for those sinners, maybe they need a little bit of, Jesus coming back tonight? Yeah, he could. Tanner. Didn't feel that in the Holy Ghost at all, Tanner. Don't you worry. Let's stand. I want to live my life like a pilgrim. I want to live it like a pilgrim. I'm a pilgrim before I'm a patriot, you know. I'm not going to be too worried about what's going on in this world in America, in Ukraine and everything else with politics. I'm a pilgrim before that. For I'm a father, husband, I'm a pilgrim. I want to tell a story. It's in the Bible. It's very short. It was a very powerful man that was having a wedding. And this man represented is representing God. In Jesus' story. And he sent out his servants out and said, go get all my friends. Go get all the people that you would think I'd want to invite. And he went out, talked to them, and they all said about the same thing. They said, man, I am just bought a piece of land. I just bought a piece of land. I need, I need to go see it. So please forgive me. So his servant moved to the next guy. Man, I uh, I just bought five five head of oxen, and I need to go prove them. I need to go see if they work. Please forgive me. Goes to the next one. He said, "I just got married. Can't make it. I'm sorry." And then he went back. The servant went back and talked to that the master and says, "They're all too busy. They're just too busy." They're too busy with their land or their farm. They're too busy working. Those oxen work hard, and they have to be there to help them and prove them. They're just too busy, Master. When they just got married. They're really busy with the relationships. It's kind of a big deal to them. He said, just go out to the highways, the byways. Wherever you can compel them to come in, I'll take anybody. Get them into my, my table is full. I'm ready to call this wedding. I'm ready now. So that's what the servant did. The scripture reminds me of a couple of things. If you didn't catch it, it reminds of us a lot today. That I don't want to be too busy for God with work with the things I possess. 
in my relationships. I'm not talking to a house full of sinners tonight. I'm talking to the church that we fill our life with stuff to the point that if we did get the call, would we recognize the trumpet sound? Or would we just be too busy? Because Jesus himself said, it will be like the days of Noah where they were just eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage. But the rain came down and the ground started breaking open and the waters came forth and only eight souls were saved. I think it would be mightily important that each and every one of us found a place and got real with God and said, what's staying in the way of you and I? Is it a relationship? Is it a thing? Is it the p- trying to get things? Is it holding on to something or somebody? I'm talking to us, church. I want to make sure that everything's out of the way so we can live like pilgrims. And at a moment's notice, a twinkling of the eye, we can be ready. Let's close our eyes right now. Lift up our hands to heaven right now. And let's ask him right now. God, start preparing our hearts right now, Jesus. Start bringing things to our minds, Lord, that we need to repent of, Lord Father. I'm asking you give us the courage, Lord, to release them to you, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord Father, to deal with me, Lord. I'm asking you, God, to deal with my brothers and my sisters of this house, Lord Father. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, start bringing things up to our brains and start telling us what it is that we need to to get better at, what we need to do different, what we need to repent of, Lord Jesus. Lord, we need you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We need you, Lord. We need you, God. We need you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I invite you to the front or right where you're at. Just find a place to prayer. Kneel down by your seat. Come up to the altar. But you need to give yourself again as a living sacrifice. God, I do mean everything, God. I don't just mean it in word only, God, but I want to give you everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I own, God, everybody that calls me dad, everybody that calls me cousin, everyone that calls me daughter, anyone who calls me wife, God, I give those relationships to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would take them and strengthen them, Lord Jesus, because I give them to you, God, let them be better, Lord God. I pray the things that I have, Lord Father, I give those to you, Jesus. Let there be nothing that weighs me down to this earth, Lord Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, don't let me be so busy for you, Lord Jesus. Take my time, God. Take my days, take my hours, take my calendar, Lord Jesus. I give it to you afresh right now, Lord Jesus.
Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. The more I seek you, the more I find you. Oh, the more I find you, the more I love you. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, 
the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. All this love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. So.